spot. I no, hope no, you know that. No, no, no. And everybody say praise the Lord. Thank you for that, Brother Davis and the church. I appreciate that very much. When the surgeon operated on me, come in wearing a mask. Of course, I later got the bill. Uh, I, I said to him, I said, you know you, why you wear that mask? He said, I think I do, but why do you think? I said, because it's a holdup. Amen. Uh, you can remain standing because I'll go straight to the word of the Lord if you'll just let me just take care of protocol. I can't say how much my wife said it, and I reiterate, we feel like the Davises are our family. Uh, when I am here and I'm around them, I just feel right at home. I don't have to make myself at home. I don't have to make myself at church. I just feel, I just feel like I'm among family and dear, dear friends. So I love Pastor and Sister Davis and, of course, Bishop and Elder and Sister Davis here. They just wonderful, wonderful people, and I love them. They, many years ago, we connected, and there's just a bond there that uh, you can't explain, and I appreciate that uh, so much. I also want to give honor to Brother Hickman. I'm so glad to see him from the Mississippi District and uh, Andrew. I would say that Brother Hickman probably came over to see me. I don't know what Andrew did. What's he doing over here? Amen. It was an honor to speak with you this morning. This minister, this minister I read about, read about selected a 50-cent item at a convenience store, but then discovered he didn't have enough or didn't have any money with him. And so he said, I could invite you to hear me preach in return, he said jokingly to the clerk, but I'm afraid I don't have any 50-cent sermons. Perhaps she suggested I, I could come twice. So if you were here this morning and you're here tonight, you'll get a dollar's worth. Praise God. Amen. But I do feel excited. I feel excited about 2020. Amen. I feel like it's going to be a great year. Thank you. Many of you come to me privately and personally and in the prayer room and in the hall and in the hall everywhere. And, and you've said, I'm praying for you. I'm fasting. I'm believing God. You've prayed for me right there on the spot. And that means a lot. Amen. Amen. On the spot, that means a lot. Wow. Amen. All right. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. To all of our ministers, there are several ministers in the church, I give you honor and thank you for serving in the capacity of blessing the work of God and here in your local church. Amen. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. And I like to read verse 10. Nehemiah 8 and 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There are several messages in this one verse. I could preach, go your way. I could preach about sending portions and preparing for those who have not. I could talk about this day is the day of the Lord and it's holy. There's this another sermon here. He said, neither be ye sorry. I could preach, don't be sorry. Or the joy of the Lord. And But I'm going to... 
lift from this verse and use this for my sermon title. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. Put your Bibles down, your hands together, and let's love the Lord. be seated. Amen. Everybody say, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Amen. It reminded me when I said that of an old song we used to sing in Pentecost. You don't hear very much, very often these days, but I'll sing it. I've done a lot of acapella this morning, so why don't I start out that way tonight? Jesus has the table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people come and dine. Bread and fish upon the fire. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come and dine, the master's calling, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. Somebody say, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Perhaps this should have been a prayer you prayed at Thanksgiving or Christmas, but I'm going to give you the dieter's prayer. Lord, grant me the strength that I may not fall. Into the clutches of cholesterol. The road to hell is paved with butter. Cake is cursed and cream is awful. And Satan is, Satan is hiding in every waffle. Beelzebub is a chocolate drop. Lucifer is a lollipop. Teach me the evils of hollandaise, of pasta and gobs of mayonnaise. And crisp fried chicken from the south. If you love me, Lord, help me shut my mouth. <laughs> Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Nehemiah, a statesman in the same category as Daniel, was raised captive or a captive. His character glistens with a kingliness worthy of his ancestry traced back to the house of David. He never fought a battle, but displayed resolution, courage, and prudence. Persian monarchs were treated as gods. A little information here. Only seven nobles could obtain free admission to their presence. Their decrees were irrevocable. Their standing armies were the largest on earth. It is believed, and some commentaries state so, that the monarch Artaxerxes was the son of Esther. If that is true, it would explain his kindly feeling toward the Jews. Nehemiah held a high place in Artaxerxes' administration. He interceded with the monarch for his homeland that had been devastated. Nehemiah grieved. How many here loves the book of Nehemiah? Oh, my. Nehemiah grieved. Bedouins reduced any kind of commerce to shambles. And Ezra feared corruption. The Samaritans, they was turned into implacable foes. And they maligned the Jews. They complained to Shushan. Read all this in Nehemiah. The high priest was a Moabite. Jerusalem was without walls. The temple service was impure. The tombs were desecrated. It 
broke Nehemiah's heart. And no doubt he wondered, how can these stones be revived? How can there be a restoration in this city that lieth waste? And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Oh, I'm believing in 2020 there's going to be some suddenlies in somebody's lives, in somebody's church. Suddenly his intercession bore fruit. And he said to Artaxerxes, why not? Why should not my countenance be sad when he said to the king, live forever? But why should my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my fathers, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire and their lives waste? That's the reason my countenance is sad. But the response was immediate. Here's what the fourth verse said. The king said unto him, for what dost thou make a request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. The king literally said, what is it you need? The king said, what do you need? I want to stop right now and under the unction of the Holy Ghost and be an ambassador of Christ and speak for the king and ask the question on his behalf, what do you need? I'm getting a little off servant, my subject here. But he shall supply all of your glory according to. Hallelujah. So suddenly his intercession bore fruit. Somebody say, it's about time. So he said, let the king live forever. And the response was immediate. So what dost thou make a request? Hear me, church. A man needs to be ready for such a moment. When the king says, what do you need? A man needs to be ready for that moment. A woman needs to be ready for that moment. A young person, an entire congregation, you need to be ready for that moment. What do you need? And Nehemiah asked largely. He is given royal permission, carte blanche, to restore Jerusalem. He has permitted men, materials, imperial credit, and full authorization. It is one of the biggest moments in history and one of the most exciting stories in the Bible. Nehemiah is a patriot's patriot. He is one of the best administrators on record in history. His accomplishment of bringing a prosperous economy out of debris and deficit has never been surpassed. And our text brings us to this conclusion. The right and the need to rejoice. So what happens, I described to you briefly about why Nehemiah was so grieved. And obviously what I shared with you is enough to depress you if you look at the situation both spiritually and physically in Jerusalem. So when he is given permission from the king, after the king says what it is you need, and the king said, I shall supply your need, Nehemiah does something. Hallelujah. Glory. He revives the Feast of Tabernacles. Before he ever lifted a stone, 
before he ever hired a carpenter, before he ever looked at a blueprint, he said the first thing we're going to do is we're going to revive the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the Jewish memorial of escape. So what Nehemiah told his nation is something that each of us should remember as a member of the household of faith. Thank God for 2020. Thank God for a new year. Thank God for a new decade. But before we proceed, we're going to have to stop and thank God for where he brought us from. Nehemiah said before we go any farther we're going to reestablish some things and we're going to set some things in order and we're going to put the Feast of Tabernacles back into play and we're going to do something here my friend that is spiritual and before we take a step toward our future we're going to thank God for bringing us out of Egypt we're going to thank God for splitting the Red Sea we're going to thank God for the blood on the doorpost we're going to thank God for the miraculous intervention and the way that he made a way that our shoes did not wear out. Our clothes did not wear out. He gave manna in the desert and water from a rock and we're going to stop. You ought to stand to your feet and thank God for where he brought you from. He didn't have to love me, but I'm so glad he did. He didn't have to save me, but I'm so glad he did. Oh, yes, we're going to the future, but we're thanking God for what he's done. Please listen more, uh, more life. First, we should never be indifferent to God's gifts. Without God's mercy, without God's goodness, none of us would be here. His mercy, His grace rewrote my life. And so without it, we wouldn't be here. Without God's goodness and mercy, any economy can fray and fritter. It can go to pieces quicker than it was built. But I've stopped by here on this first Sunday of a new decade to remind somebody it's God's will to bless. It's God's will to bless. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. The will of God toward me is success, not failure. You want scripture and verse, don't you? He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Rarely, rarely do men fish all night and catch nothing. If they do, Christ is there early to make adjustments and break their nets into victory. Hallelujah. There have been so many times I've fallen short. Thank God he come in and make some adjustments. Ooh. The best way I can, I can illustrate what I mean by rarely do men catch fish, or go fishing and catch nothing, but when they do, the Lord shows up. And says, I've seen your toiling, and I've seen your effort, and I'm gonna make some adjustments. And I'm going, I'm going, I'm gonna reward you. Even though you've done work all night long, it's not been fruitless. You just wait. It ain't over. <laughs> One of my best childhood memories is we lived out in the country. 
and uh, June bugs show up around August. All right, some of you will catch that later. That's pretty, out, pretty far out in the country. But one of the best memories I have is my mom or dad on a Friday night or Friday evening when dad would come home from work and, and he'd shower and mom would have dinner and, and, and mom or dad would say, hey, how would you kids like to go window shopping? Now, now kids have no idea what that is nowadays. We were poor, didn't have a whole lot, just each other. And we would get so excited. I mean, that was, that was wild. And we'd get so excited. And we would get in our old 56 Chevrolet and head to town. And Dad would park the car on the north end of Reed Avenue in Port St. Joe, Florida. We would get out. And we would get on the west side of the sidewalk. And we'd go from store to store. Dreaming. Window shop. Oh, we'd stop at Western Auto. It was on the opposite side. We'd stop at Western Auto, and I have two brothers and a sister, and I'm the oldest and the best looking, and I'm not convinced, conceited, I'm convinced. We'd stop, and we'd cup our hands around our little cheeks, and our nostrils would put condensation on the glass window of the Western Auto, and we would look in there, and one of us would say, that's my Western flyer right there. I'm talking about that one with the, with the streamers. And the bell and the light. And my brother, one of my brothers say, no, it ain't. It's mine. Another brother say, Mama, you tell him I claimed it first. And finally, somebody would bring us back to reality. It don't belong to any of us. We're just window shopping. The store's closed. We don't have any money. So all you can do is stand out here and wish. But I'll never forget one day, I think it was a Saturday after the stores were closed, we were walking down the sidewalk, and I come up across this, we had a Philco store across the street from the Western Auto. How many of you ever heard of Philco? I stopped. I was about 12 years old, and I looked in the window, and in the window was this beautiful Starbucks Philco guitar. Now, some of you older people can relate to what I'm talking about by what I'm about to say, sing. How much is that dog in the window? So I'm, I'm wondering how much is that guitar in the window. I'm looking there and I said out loud, oh, I wish I had that, but I don't have enough money. And my daddy, I, I was a shoe shine boy. I shined shoes for 50 cents a pair. And I had saved up a little money. My daddy said, well, son, how much money do you have? And the best I remember, it was $10, $11, $12. Really? You've got that much money saved up? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I'll tell you what. Since you've worked that hard, you've saved that much money, Daddy's going to make up the difference. And I'm going to give you the money. So Monday, when he opens that store, you can come in here and get your guitar. And Monday morning, guess what? This little 12-year-old boy marched in there like I was somebody, my friend. And I said to the man, and he said, son, can I help you? I said, yes, sir, I want that guitar in the window. He reached over and grabbed it, and he handed it to me. And he had a big old cash register bigger than this thing right here. It's an NCR, National Cash Register. He hit them big buttons about the size of a quarter. He turned the crank. And I'm standing there looking up, and these big numbers popped up on this glass window that said $20. 
$2.60. I walked out of there, my friend, the proud owner of a field coat guitar. You know why? Because my daddy made some adjustments. I could, one time, all I could do was window shop and all I could do, but my daddy made it able where I didn't have to sit on the outside wondering what was on the inside. God made a way that I could get in the church and he opened the door and gave me the key and said, go on in the house. I will make up the difference. Well, aren't you glad he steps in and makes some adjustments? <laughs> you see, effort is important. I'll, I'll get back to my notes here in a moment, so y'all be patient with me. I'm chasing rabbits. I've pastored long enough to realize that Sometimes the frustration that comes with pastors when you have outreach and you knock doors and your outreach team works and people pray and fast and they knock doors and you get promises and you come to church that Sunday and, and, and you may have a half a dozen promises and not one of them show up. But how many times have I witnessed when somebody shows up, amen, sometimes even get the Holy Ghost and you say, well, who invited you? Well, nobody. And it's God telling me, I'm going to reward your effort. You're not going to do anything. <laughs> you can even give a glass of water to one of my little nobodies. So a glass of water, you can go anywhere. It don't cost you anything. God's saying basically if you just give a little cup of nothing to one of my nobodies, I'm not going to let you forget it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're not going to lose your reward. Somebody, effort, effort, effort is important. Hallelujah. Effort is important. I'm happy to report to you that life isn't a senseless treadmill. We're not in a hamster's wheel spinning round and round. Hello. You need to say it in 2020. I am not, I'm not being, being, I'm not talking about being pretentious or arrogant. But we need to realize, love thy neighbor as thyself. We need to say, I'm king's kid. I roll your blood stowing through my veins. I'm somebody and I'm going somewhere and God knows my name. He's got my number and he's got a will and a purpose for me. And I don't have to take a back seat. Yes, I've got to be humble. Yes, I've got to be meek. But I don't have to take a back seat to the devil or anything else or anybody else. I can be bold. I can be courageous. I can be strong. I can speak. I can stand up. I can, I can, say, I can do something. Effort, effort. Somebody to shout effort you see effort is important to God I'm all over the map but I'm feeling something God takes pleasure in the delight of his people I, I, I just said to Sister Davis so someone over here asked me Sister Alford asked me did I get a nap today well I tried but my grandson, my 13-year-old grandson called me. I'm laying there. I just drifted off to sleep. I mean, just about five minutes. Had the phone laying right there on the bed. Had it on uh, vibrate so I wouldn't wake my wife up, you know, in case I got an emergency call or something. I looked down and it was Cannon. So I got out of the bed and I ran to the bathroom. Hey, baby, what you need? There's, it, it, you know what? There's probably nobody in the world to call me that I, you know, they've probably been few. I probably would have just turned it off and tried to roll back over and go to sleep. But my grandbaby. Oh, first off, he might have needed something. But if he didn't need anything, just to say, hey, Poppy, I love you. That's worth me getting up over. How much more? How much more? My friend, that God said, you know what? If, I, if you ask for bread, I'm not going to give you a stone. 
If you ask for fish, I'm not going to give you a serpent. You need to realize you're the apple of his eye. He loves you. My friend, he called you. Oh, I feel the, and he takes delight in you. And when you speak his name, as the choir was singing a while ago, it's like getting a phone call from your grandchild. Oh, yeah. Hey, I love you. It's good to hear from you. I delight in hearing you. See, the, the sculpture takes pleasure. The sculpture takes pleasure in the creation of his genius. When the statue that he's working on seems to start be taking shape and starts to breathe almost. And, and listen and speak. Hear me. When God sees himself reproduced in some man, some woman, some child, it is the hope of glory. When he sees dust take on divinity, are you listening to me? To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is it? Which is Christ in you. When, God, when he sees himself being formed in you, it is the hope of glory. He takes delight in that. And so when he sees dust take on divinity, the bells of heaven ring. Every blow of the chisel has that in mind. Every sharp experience that you have to endure is to that end. Nehemiah's life is like mine and yours, neither accidental nor incidental. It is in him. That we live. It is in him that we live, move, and have our being. I'm going to preach before this night's over with. It is he that made us and not ourselves. It is he that came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I shared with you just a little bit this morning about things going on in my world. And you might sit there and say, well, Brother Tipton, what are you going to do with that kind of diagnosis? I tell you what I intend to keep on doing. I intend in his name to keep on having a good time. I intend on eating the fat and drinking the sweet. <laughs> Come on, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, I don't want to be ugly or disrespectful, but you'd be a sad sack if you want to. I'm not going to join you. You can look like you've been baptized in vinegar, sucking on a dill pickle, but come on, born on the dark side of the moon if you want to. No, 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 not me. I'm going to eat the fat and drink the sweet. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord, for the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. He can't take my joy. He can't take my peace. <laughs> Hallelujah.
still have my praise. I still have my praise. tells you about God don't believe what the infidels and the atheists tell you about God even when you're fat on your back in a hospital room and you've gone through major surgery and the doctor says you got cancer whatever it might be my friend don't you let the devil tell you God's not good don't you let the devil tell you God's not a healer don't you let the devil tell you my friend that he has abandoned you come on don't you believe what the complainers say don't you believe what the lukewarm and the selfish say come on my God is good my God is and he's good all the time I said he's good all the time His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the prince of peace. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. Watch this. Every good gift, every good gift, and every perfect gift. Come on. Hello. Something bad happens. My Lord, even in your on your insurance policy, they got they got disclaimers in there that if something bad happens, like a sinkhole, they won't cover it because they call that an act of God. Why is it, my friend, that they want to say something bad happens is an act of God? It's no such thing. If anything bad happens, it's an act of the devil. He come to kill. He come to steal. He come to destroy. But my Lord God come to give life and every good gift and every perfect gift. Is from above and cometh from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. He's a God of high noon. Ever good gift. Let's go ahead and give you some more scriptures. And also, let me add, he said, this is an addendum. And also every man should eat and drink. And what? And enjoy. If you got a job and you give that man eight hours work for eight hours pay and he gives you a check on Friday afternoon and you don't have to back up to receive it, you ought to take that check and say this is a gift from God. I've earned it and I'm going to receive it and I'm going to enjoy the good of my labor. You don't have to be embarrassed for being a working man or a working woman. It's a gift of God. You don't have to be embarrassed to go out there and have a garden. My friend, have a bushel of peas and a bushel of, uh, and a peck of tomatoes. You don't have to be embarrassed to sit there and slice a home-gone tomato that you went out there and you tilled the soil and you fertilized it. Yes, God gave the rain and the sunshine, but it was the labor of your hands. Amen. And the fact that he blessed you, you could sit back, uh, throw your feet in a recliner and say, this is a gift of God. I don't have to apologize. I read that out loud. Taste, Taste and see. Woo, 
The Lord is good. Somebody shout, he's good. Now watch what the, reader, read, the writer of Hebrews said. And have tasted. Mm. Lord have mercy. I'm about to rip a stitch. I'm glad I still see some aisle runners here. I've been to some churches. They quit all that. I've left some churches. I've said to myself, my Lord, they got starts before they got washed. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, the Hebrew writer said, and have tasted the good word of what? Of God and the powers. Now, what you're feeling is not a figment of your imagination. Certainly, we just don't walk by feelings but you can't deny that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, what? Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So you have tasted. And so what God has allowed you to do, and some of you took off running around the aisles while ago. Some of you have been leaping for joy. Some of you smiling like a Cheshire cat. My friend, it's because you feel the power of God. Can I tell you what that is? That is the power of the world to come. And the reason you're going to have to have a body change is because that physical body can't take the glory of God like you're going to have when we get to glory. But God said just for a little while on a Sunday night in 2020, I'm going to let you taste a little bit of it. I'm going to let you have a little bit of the world to come. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. You can't buy what we're feeling right now. You can't go to a bar and sit on a bar stool and purchase what's in this room. You can't inject anything in your arm right now that will do what's going to be. Having tasted the good word. And the powers of the world to come. Now, 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 now watch what he said to the church. Watch what he said to the church at Ephesus. He said, in whom? This verse right here. Man, it lights my fire. In whom? You also trusted. What? After you heard the word of truth. The gospel of what? Your salvation. In whom? Also, that's okay, help me believe. After, there's that word after again, that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Oh, come on. Which is? Tasting of the world to come. Which is? The earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Somebody ought to say, yeah, yeah. This is the earnest of your inheritance. Mm, you can stand, you can be seated. Whatever makes you happy. You're not going to bother me if you keep standing. You're not going to bother me if you keep seated. Everybody say the earnest. How many of you have ever heard of earnest money? 
I mean, have you ever heard of anything being done in earnest? Amen. Well, the best way I can describe and explain and break down in Mississippi, Alabama terms what Paul was meaning when he said, this is the earnest of our inheritance until. So I'm going to let you taste a little bit of the good word of God until. This is the earnest of our inheritance until. So the best way I can explain it is perhaps most of you, some of the young people may not know what this is. Everybody know this is an egg beater? Hello? Anybody seen one of these? Hey man, it's not a new device that Apple makes, guys. My mom, now I was a child of the 60s. So you just have that goes way back now. But uh, but I my mom, I didn't know until I said this to an older person not long ago, and they explained to me what it meant. My mom could bake a chocolate cake from scratch. And so I said this to an elderly lady. She said, that just simply means that, that was before the days. And even if it was, that didn't mean, because my mom, we didn't go to the store. We lived out in the country. We didn't go to the store every day. We didn't have chocolate candy every day. Maybe once a month, she would cook a chocolate cake. And you're talking about a huge treat. Wow. She cooked three meals a day. And, and once a month, maybe once every two weeks, she'd cook a nice chocolate cake or a coconut cake. But, but my mom... Could, could, and, and, oh my Lord. And before all, so, what does it mean by cook a cake from scratch? That was before all the packaged cake mixes came along. So, so before there was Duncan Hines and Betty Crocker and Paula White and, and, no, no, Betty White. No, not Betty White. Betty Crocker. I'm getting my Crockers and my Whites and my, and Paula Dean. And and, and, and and Pillsbury. Before that, my, but before all of that, my mom could cook one mean chocolate cake. So my two brothers and I would be out running in the back of the woods barefooted in the panhandle of Florida. And you could hear the squeak of that screen door echo through the pine thicket as she would open it. And it squeak, had a little spring on it. She'd swing it back. And, and, and I didn't like it if... The tone of Mama's voice, you could tell if it was a good good or bad. If that screen door opened and she said, David Devon Tipton Jr., I wasn't looking forward to coming home. <laughs> My, even at that age, I was looking for a greyhound when that was done. But when that, when that door would open, that screen door, we're talking about country folks. And my mom would say, boys, come home. I have something for you. Ooh, man, we'd even throw our bicycles down in a, in a pine thicket and come running because we, we knew the tone of that voice. Mama was preparing something special for her children. And we're talking about the earnest of our inheritance. So we had a problem. We had four children, okay? There was three boys and a girl. So one, two, three, and you. There's a problem when you got four kids and you only have two egg beaters. And, and all of you sitting there, I hope y'all don't think that I, my wife and my mother's not clean. We are very clean people. 
But don't you sit there and act like you're so sanctimonious and you're some, you some kind of antiseptic, super hygienic person and you've never licked an egg beater. If you've never, we're going to mix up a box of chocolate tonight and put this one in and give you that experience. Come on, how many of your grandmamas and your mamas let you, come on, you kids and young people, how many of your grandmama and your mama let you lick an egg beater? There was nothing more fun than that. And so mom, mom had a system like all moms do. She said, okay, we only have two egg beaters. So this time you get an egg beater, you get an egg beater, you get a spoon, and you get the bowl. Now mom, my mom was just like all moms. She's fair. Because every child that got the egg beater thought they got the most chocolate. But mom, remember, they always make adjustments like God. Mom always left a little extra on both egg beaters. And she tried to measure it out. There was about the same amount of chocolate on the spoon and the same amount of chocolate in the bowl. And you ought to watch four kids, two licking egg beaters, one licking a spoon, and the other with their finger in the bowl. So, and, and, and two weeks later, three weeks later, when that same mom called, the same kids come in, she could remember, all right, this time, you get an egg beater, you get an egg beater, you get the spoon, you get the bowl. Oh, you got the bowl last time. Oh, I'm, a, I'm not a good mom. You get an egg beater. You get the bowl, okay? You get the spoon, and we're going to let you have an egg beater. And every child that had the egg beater, I always thought they, was, they got the most. But hear me what I'm saying. What was mama telling us when she brought us in and gave us an egg beater? She was saying, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all go back out and play. And she didn't say this verbally, but you're talking about us kids having mental telepathy? Before we even knew what the word meant, mama was telling her children, there's something in the oven that you don't want to get too far from the house. And I only gave you a taste. I only gave you a taste. But one of these days, you're going to get to have your cake and eat it too. I said, you're going to get to have your cake and eat it too. My God said, I'm going to let you feel my presence on a Sunday night. And you're going to feel the Holy Ghost. And you're going to feel the love of my embrace. But one day, my friend, we're going to turn that egg beater for streets of gold, walls of jasper. It's time to eat the fat and drink the sweet. The time to be happy is now. The place to be happy is here. I'm almost through. But I want to slap the devil in the face and those that work for him. I had a lady one time tell me she was an old grouchy woman. I've always been kind of jumpy. and She said to me out in the foyer of the church, I was a kid. I mean, when is it when has it become unholy to be happy? I understand why they think you should be a sad. You see, you got Pharisees and sad. You see, hello. It's not unholy to be happy. I come bouncing in the foyer one time, and she said, "What's wrong with you, son?" You. 
I said, no, she said, how you, she said, how you doing? I said, oh, sister, I am sitting on the top limb. You know what she said? She said, you better be careful. You're going to fall off. I said, sister, that's not true. I'm waiting on another one to grow out. Hello. Come on, somebody, help me. It isn't unholy to be happy. God is holy and God is happy. Do you know how I know God is happy? The Bible tells us in Genesis, and God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Let me tell you something. When you do something good and you walk away, you're happy. I'm here to tell you my God is happy, and I'm going to be happy, and I want you to believe this line when I read it to you. For this day is holy unto the Lord. This day is holy unto the Lord and the joy of the Lord. I say the power of God the power of almighty God sets forth within you now we've just had Christmas my boys reminded me because they do it to their kids they reminded me back when they were small when these remote cars first started coming back I think they had a yellow Corvette and a red Corvette Christmas day they couldn't open the package fast enough I went over and helped one of them off and so we got it out of the box and I took it from him I said let me show you how to operate it he started crying Dad, that's my car I said yeah but you're gonna have to let me show you how to run it I said so see here look here baby look just watch daddy okay said, this, this is the remote set the car here and this is forward this is backward this is turn left this is turn right and I did that and it didn't do anything said, what's wrong so I picked up the package and think well maybe and I looked in there and to my biggest disappointment, everything's closed and I read on the box, batteries not included. I, and that, that just, that perturbs me. Because I never went and bought a car, the battery didn't come with it. I mean, it's like you can't get the Holy Ghost without speaking in tongues. It comes with it. The tongues come with it. So I'd have to wait till the next day till the store opened so they could enjoy their car and I could enjoy it with them. Well, you remember what I'm about to tell you. When you and I were born, we were born into sin and shaped in iniquity. And invisibly stamped on our forehead was batteries not included. That's why you had to be born again. And after you received the gift of the Holy Ghost and the power of God, he said, the power, you shall be witnesses, but the power of God is on you. That's how you get the batteries. And so the almighty power of God is resident in you. You ought to shout, I got it. I got it. You don't have to be intimidated. The power of God. Somebody shout the power of God. It's in this room. And it's in me and it's in you. The lofty, the lofty trees grow from the smallest seeds. The greatest rivers flow from the smallest fountain of their origin. The slenderest wires hold the greatest weights. The largest machines turn with smallest of pulleys. The greatest intellectual light is often started by the understanding of the smallest truth. The charred ashes of yesterday's brush nourish the roots of tomorrow's orchard. This, and I'm about through, so you can stay standing if you want to. Hallelujah. 
See, this world talks about the need to reform. I'm not against all this stuff that, you know, I mean, certainly we need criminal reform. We need health care reform. All that, but, but listen to me. You hear it all the time. A lot of it is just rhetoric. A lot of it is just talk, talk, talk. But they talk about we need to reform, we need to restraint, we need the culture and manners and peace and education. That's okay. But church, let me tell you what we really need. The supreme need for the hour and for our nation is a revival. An outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Every time we come to church... If you could make a pledge to God, to yourself, and to your pastor, it don't make its difference if it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. We're coming here with this mindset. Somebody needs the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs a miracle. We need to pull together. We need to bind together. We don't need to have mediocre service. We don't need to have average church. We need to come in here with 2020 and make sure we have the supreme need met, and that is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The mission of More Life United Pentecostal Church is to do for this city what Nehemiah did for the rubbish heaps of Jerusalem. To build out of them a city of God. And the rubbish heap, no, we're not looking at broken stones and desecrated temples, but we're looking at drug dealers and users and broken homes and alcoholics. Marriage is on the rock. Let me tell you to this church right now, and if you're here and you don't have the Holy Ghost, this is your night. But I want to speak to this church body. Those things I've just mentioned and the people that are addicted to those vices, that is the raw materials for revival. A revival is the finished product of those raw materials. So I say to and admonish and encourage this church it's time to get to work. You alone are equipped for the task and for the duty that God has called you. Everybody say revival in my city. Revival in my city. Revival on my job. Revival in my home. Hallelujah. I know for Nehemiah, thing looked hopeless. But oh, it's never hopeless. Hello, folks. You see, Sanballat was angry, and he mocked the Jews. And he even said in the first portion of the book of Nehemiah, he mockingly said, will they revive the stones out of this rubbish? And the other one said, even a fox could come down and knock it down. Let me tell you, the church of Jesus Christ knows how to transform this rubbish heap into a field of roses. Paul understood this secret. He looked at the unbridled lust, the grinding tyranny, and the hideous idolatry of the city of the Caesars and was unabashed. So men of God, saints of God, don't look at what you see and it discourage you. Ezekiel, what you see is not what's going to be the end result. So Paul could look at the city of the Caesars unabashed and preach Christ crucified. Amen. And he had his reason. He said it was the gospel. And it is the power of God to transform unto salvation. I'm moving forward just a little bit. Paul saw the filth and the foulest of Rome 
might become the fairest fragrance of the new Jerusalem. Somebody else shout the power of God. If I have ever in my life felt the power of God, I feel it right now. Hallelujah. I don't. Y'all prayed for me. I've had multiple prayers since I've been here. I'm just going to go ahead and accept it. I'm just going to believe God. Something happened. There are others of you, you need, what did we sing a while ago? The supernatural. We as a church body believe in the supernatural. We believe in the power of God and its manifestation. Somebody say the power of God. You ought to shout to the top of your voice, he can. He can, he can make a dead rod bud. He can part the waters of the Red Sea. He can sweeten the waters of Mara. He can trouble the waters of Shalom and heal the people. He can make an axe head float. He can make a rod turn into a serpent and back into a rod again. You ought to shout, he can. He can set a bush on fire and it not be consumed. He can bring water out of a rock. He can bring dread, dread in a dry place. He can restore my soul. He can start a fire on Mount Carmel. He can translate Enoch and Elijah. You ought to shout, he can. He can give a double portion of the spirit. He can take a farmer named Gideon and wipe out the Midianites. He can knock down the walls of Jericho. He can make the sun stand still until the battle is won. He can wipe out the Philistines with a jawbone and bring water out of the same jawbone. He can feed a man with a raven or with an empty barrel. He can. If you need a miracle, you ought to step to your feet right now and step out of that aisle and say he can. He can deliver three men in a fiery furnace. He can turn water into wine. He can walk on water. He can calm the storms of your life. He can straighten out a withered hand. He can fill empty nets with fish. He can put a coin in the fish's mouth to pay taxes. He can heal a woman with the issue of blood. He can love his enemies. He can go to the cross, but the nails can't hold him. He can go to the grave, but the stone won't hold him. He is capable of building a heaven for losers. He can deliver. He can overcome. He can provide. He can meet the need. Will somebody shout he can? Now I'm going to close with this. I'm saying, I'm saying this in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to obey God tonight. There's a word that came to me. I've mentioned it in years gone by. And had forgotten it. I may have mentioned it here seven, eight, nine years ago. But I'd forgotten this word till the other day. In a situation where I was needing, in need. And God reminded me of an old 15th century word. And before I give you that word, and I've watched God do some things in the past two weeks that will stagger your imagination. So I know he's in control. Amen. So just imagine with me, here's a, a man and his wife, and 
a half a dozen kids in the 15th century and they own an orchard and they work hard every day they prepare for harvest they do everything they can they work year round and then harvest time comes and you can look at daddy's hands they're calloused mama's hands are calloused the kids are used to labor and work because this orchard is their livelihood and they've spent their life going out every harvest season and shaking the trees and climbing and boxing the apples and selling them on the market but you imagine one morning and this is where this word come about in the 15th century one morning daddy is sitting there and mama's putting the biscuits on the table and he just happens to open the venetian blind or the wooden shutters whatever and he looks out across that huge orchard and tears of joy swell up in his eyes and he looks and says mama Ooh, you know, we've worked hard for 30 years in this orchard. <laughs> every year we get out there and we, we work with everything we got to pick every apple and take it to the market. But while we slept last night, God was so good. He sent a gentle breeze through our effort, our, our orchard. <laughs> and boys, look out there. We got a windfall. Laying on the ground is a ripe harvest for us to go pick up. We, we, we're not apologizing and regretting all the years of labor. We, we've not, we're not lazy people. We've worked, we've worked hard. But God has honored our efforts, and this year he's given us a reprieve. And he's sending us a windfall. And I feel in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Somebody has prayed for something for so long and you haven't received a harvest. You've gone out and you shook the tree. And you've gone out and you prayed. And you've interceded and you've asked God. And you really hadn't seen what you were. But I believe in the Holy Ghost. God is about to give you a windfall. Hallelujah. It could be a harvest of souls. It could be a raise on your job. It could be a financial blessing. It could be the largest tax refund you've ever had in your life but somebody ought to say right now God I've been faithful it is your will to bless me you told me to taste and see and right now God it's your will that I be successful and not failure and I'm receiving a windfall I'm closing hallelujah hallelujah come on I believe in simple obedience hallelujah Come on, if God has spoken to you tonight, raise your hand and receive his word. I'm closing and hand this mic to the pastor. Because I've given you every ounce of energy I've got. But God has given you favor. And he has given you vision for what is yet to come. Don't let the things of this world discourage you. Don't let the lies of the enemy make you feel like you'll never make it to the promise. God has given you his promise Somebody shout, yes, he has. He has made you a promise. He has given you a promise. He has placed his name on you. And greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So I proclaim on the anointing of the Holy Ghost, this day is holy unto the Lord. It is all right to celebrate and rejoice because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Why don't you start leaping for joy? Why don't you start raising your hands and giving him a wave offering? Why don't you do whatever God tells you to do? God, I'm receiving it. I'm believing it. I'm going to eat the fat and drink the sweet. I'm going to eat the fat and drink the sweet. It's my time. It's my turn. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God a thunderous hand clap of praise. Let's fill this house. Let's fill this house with a thunderous hand clap.
Yes, 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 yes. Eat the fat, drink the sweet. 